Yes, it is so, so, so good to be here. I, I was nervous I wasn't going to recognize anyone, so I'm so glad that there are people that I recognize here and love and deep, deep family and deep relationships from so many years. Um, awesome to have my dad here, which is very cool. Yeah, so he's here. Awesome to have Dawn Castleman here, old legend friend of ours for years, man. Yes, what an awesome thing that we're here together, man. Um, yeah, our children aren't here. Uh, we have to bring them sometime because they have also left a lot of friends and family to go and serve Jesus in Gauteng. Um, so, yeah, so the update is, uh, if you wanted to know, I'll just tell you anyway, um, we are actually doing well. Um, we really, it was a good move. God definitely didn't make a mistake, and I don't think we made a mistake moving to Joburg. There have been times where um, I've just deeply, deeply missed everybody. Um, times where it's been very real, like how that, you know, you build into relationships and lives for 11 years, you watch growth, you see it all happen. But just that reality of, man, God needs to keep moving us. And for your sake, I'm so grateful. I mean, look at this. Look at what God's done. Look at what he's added. Um, look at the multiplication, you know, to see, the, I mean, we, we, we definitely, saw Brooklyn happening and Milnerton happening and all these things, but to see it realized and happening is just the most beautiful thing. Um, but God knows what he's doing. He, he, it has been an amazing ride the last two years. It's been just over two years since we left, um, and it's been an amazing time in Kauteng. We have, we're just busy planting our second church, and we joined with another church, so we're going to be four congregations in Kauteng, City on a Hill, and we've been had the privilege, like, been in, in involved in planting other churches in the area and walking closely with guys planting churches with 412. And recently, also, since travel is opening up, um, going into quite a few nations and seeing God just just doing incredible things, man. And, uh, you know, people always say, like, do you miss Cape Town? Do you miss? Obviously, you miss family. But, you know, the reality is in this world is not our home. It's definitely not. And you can actually be very happy anywhere as long as the kingdom of God's there. Because we're part of the kingdom of God. And if we're, you know, if I'm in Joburg, if I'm in the Netherlands, or if I'm in Ireland, or if I'm in Africa somewhere, as long as his kingdom community is busy being established there, then I can live there because that's my home. It's a kingdom home for all eternity. That's what churches are. They're kingdom communities. They're little communities of the kingdom of God gathering now on earth while we wait for that eternal kingdom to unfold and us be part of it forever. Um, and so to see that happening here is amazing. Um, to see uh, marriages that have taken place and happened is beautiful. To see babies that have, have uh, come is amazing. To me, they feel like they just popped out and came out of everywhere. I don't know. Lockdown, you guys must have been really bored. But it's awesome to see <laughs> all the babies um, and, yeah, and especially the church plants. And to see men, yeah, just leaders being raised up, you know. Um, someone was... Some, someone said, oh, it's good that, you know, you, you've gone and you left a vacuum, which people have now had to climb into. And I'm like, that's a gracious way of saying it. You could have said, like, I was the ceiling. And when we left, it finally, <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, whichever way that goes and whichever way it happened, I am grateful because it means that people all over have risen up, taken the lead, walked in what God's calling them to do. And that's just awesome, man. So, yeah. So, yeah, obviously yesterday was Will's memorial. Um, 
Will Maria, who I'm sure most of you know, and like Dave said, whether or someone said, Hunt said, whether you, whether you knew him personally or not, he has influenced your life. The fact that you're sitting here today and hopefully moving more towards the kingdom, I'm telling you, somewhere along the line, someone was influenced by Will who has now influenced you. Um, it was, he was one of those guys that just wherever he went, seed was planted. And in my life, massive seed was planted by Will Maria. And so, yeah, that's also been a huge uh, emotion this weekend. Um, and just that, I mean, yesterday at the memorial, my thoughts were, yes, this was more inspiring than like a thousand preachers. If it's still online, watch it, seriously. Like, um, it, it, to see a life live flat out for Jesus till the end, pouring out his love to everyone he met, just giving of himself so completely with such devotion. You don't often see that. That's unfortunate reality. As much as there's maybe some amazing Christians in your life that you could offer, I don't know if you often see that level of just till the end, giving your whole life, all your devotion to Jesus, his kingdom, and not at the expense of his family at all, but with his family, leading his family into it, loving his family. I was broken, just weeping, going, man, if my kids say half of what has been said about Will one day, I'll be like, the mo- it'd be the best eulogy ever, you know. Um, so, wow. So cool to see. I mean, Luke and Zandi aren't here, obviously, um, but we absolutely love them. And, man, just to see how they've led the last couple of years through different seasons uh, in and out of the church. It's been unbelievable. So they've done so well. Ah, man. Awesome. So, sorry, you, forgive me that I get some long introductions. Um, I feel like I've got license for that because we miss you a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, let me, let me rather preach and then in, in it, I'll just go wherever and, and say what we want to say. So, um. In light of Will Maria, uh yesterday, I did feel that there's been many things I was thinking to preach, but I felt I'd love to preach one of his sermons, actually. Um, I don't know, I never actually heard him preach the sermon, but I heard him say it so many times that I felt like it's, it's impacted me deeply. And so often we would be sitting in meetings, in elders meetings, or whatever meetings with 412 leadership, making big decisions about God's church and kingdom all over the world and stuff. And you would be talking about certain people and saying, well, could they be planted there? Could they maybe lead there? Let's see. And Will would say this. He would say, uh, well, if you didn't know them, for instance, he would say, are they fast? Are they fast? And what he meant by that is, are they faithful, available, submitted, and teachable? Are they fast? Because then God can use them. And the reality is, is that God actually does want to use you. I'm not here to just say like Jesus is calling you only out of brokenness into a better life, or Jesus is calling you out of hell into heaven, or Jesus is calling you out of sin into slavery to righteousness. All those things are beautiful, but Jesus is also calling you to be his soldier, his workman, his athlete, running with him for his kingdom for the rest of his life, your life. That's what Jesus is calling you to. And if, you, if, you, if there's something of the Holy Spirit in you, if the seed of the Spirit, if you are born again, that must be a reality in your life that you are longing to be used by your King. That when you sing, have your way, have your way, you're not just saying, have your way right now, Lord, and give me some goosebumps because that would be awesome. But you're saying, have your way, turn me into your missionary on this planet with a mission for you, Jesus. Like, that's why I'm here. 
And, um, and that must be a reality. The spirit inside you cries out for that, longs for that, because you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, recreated in Christ Jesus for good works that he's planned before the creation of the world for you to walk in. And the scary thing is, the more I, I look around and the more I see God's kingdom moving forward, is God's kingdom will move forward no matter what. He's the king. He's passionate about his kingdom. He's passionate about his glory. And it will move forward. And whether you jump in and say yes or not, it will move forward. But for me, I'm like, God, I can see that you're moving no matter what. I want in, Lord. I want in. I want my life to be positioned to be used for you. And when I say, are you fast? I'm saying, are you positioned to be used by God? Not just positioned for a better life now, not just positioned to have a nice life in church, not just positioned to one day hopefully go to heaven, not just positioned to give your kids a nice inheritance one day and everything's hunky-dory in Cape Town and it's such a lack of life, but positioned to be used by the king to go anywhere, anytime and do anything for him. That's the only kind of disciple there is. You know that? If you're newly saved, if you're a new believer, well, maybe actually if you're a new believer, everything in you is actually longing for this because often the, the newborn are, are the most excited to be used by Jesus. But maybe you've been around for a couple of years and you need to hear this. And it might be a little bit offensive, but hey, I'm not going to be here next week, so let's just go for it. <laughs> Luke was always very good at picking up the pieces. So <laughs> I trust him. He had a full-time job doing that. So um, <laughs> cool. Is this making sense? Come on. Are you ready to be positioned to be used by God? God is building this great temple that's going to house his spirit on earth. It's the, it's, it's the church of Jesus Christ where people can look and go, I don't just know about God. I don't just hear him on teachings on YouTube, but now I see the body of Christ on earth. Now I see the temple of God. And when, I, when I'm a part of the temple of God, the people of God, the spirit of God is there. And whether the preacher's good or not, I've met with Jesus Christ and he changes my life. That's why many of you are here. Because maybe over the last, I don't know, 12 years, the preaching wasn't always that good. But you're here because you met with Jesus, because you met people passionately in love with Him. And I felt that this morning, man. I so felt that still, and I was like, yes, God. Oh, you're here, and you're still doing what you want to do. So, but the key is when He builds the temple, if, you're, if, if you've not positioned to be a strong stone in the temple, if there's all sorts of cracks, if there's all sorts of idols, if there's all sorts of other longings, the temple might still be built, but at some point that stone is going to crack and break, and, and then what? And that happens, guys. You know, we all are looking forward to that day, and most of us believe we're going to stand before Jesus, and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, I'm looking forward to that day. When I read the Bible, I think very few are going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, actually. And oh my goodness, I'm desperate for that. Are you? Are you living for that? Is that all that matters? All that matters, I want to hear, well done, good, faithful servant. When you're that, man, he can build on that. He can build a and you're not going to break. You're not going to crack. Okay, so faithful is the first 
little thing of my, what do you call that, an acronym or, I don't know, thank you. Faithful. So when I talk about faithful, you might think I'm going to talk about being faithful with the stuff God has given you, the stuff he's entrusted. But before we're faithful with the stuff he's entrusted, we need to be faithful with our hearts. We're faithful as in a husband and wife. I need to be faithful to my wife when I'm with her, when I'm away from her. I need to be faithful to her. I need to make sure that all the longings of my heart are towards her. And her towards me. And that's faithfulness within marriage. So when I say faithful, I'm not going to firstly just talk about like be faithful your finances and your time and all those beautiful teachings. I'm saying be faithful with your heart. That's what he's looking for first of all in those that are positioned to be used by God. You see, the Bible, the whole Old Testament, the Old Covenant is this long story of a people whose hearts are unfaithful to the Lord. No matter how much is put in place around them, laws, systems, governments, rules, punishments, whatever, no matter how much is put there to try and make them faithful to the Lord, not commit adultery with idols, because God wouldn't call it idolatry, He would call it adultery, that's what idols are, and, um, and, and, but, and yet their hearts would always turn away from them, and turn away from, sorry, turn away from the Lord. And so in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, what, what gets me when I read, I've read Deuteronomy lately quite a lot, and what got me is that Moses, towards the end of his life, he's going to now give Deuto his second, and Onomi has got something to do with law, so the second law, he's going to now give the law again before he dies, he's going to make these speeches, And he's calling Israel to be faithful when he departs and when he dies, okay? And and at the end of Deuteronomy, he he writes this, okay, in Deuteronomy 31. He says, God says, I'm going to give my people a song because maybe they'll forget my laws. But hopefully, when they turn away from me one day, hopefully they'll remember the song and they'll turn back to me. And often, you know, songs stick in our minds maybe longer than scriptures do or longer than preachers do. And so God gives a song to his people because he knows that they're going to turn away one day. So this is what he says. He says, now write down this for yourselves, this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that they may be, so that it may be a witness for me against them. When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on oath to give their forefathers. And when they eat their fill and thrive, they will, isn't that sad? They will turn to other gods and worship them rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when many disasters and difficulties come upon them, this song will testify against them because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. I know what they are disposed to do. They have got like a predisposition to something. I know what they're disposed to do. Even before I bring them into this land, I promise them on oath. So Moses wrote down this song that day and taught it to the Israelites. Isn't that amazing? It's it's amazing and yet sad at the same time. It's like God's going, I'm giving you everything you need. I'm going to give you this incredible promised land. I'm going to set you free of slavery. I've, 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 you know, destroyed your enemies and your slave masters. I've set you free. But I know you're going to turn away from me. And the reality is for every one of us, guys, is that naturally outside of the new covenant, the power of God in the new covenant, which I'll read to you now, our hearts are predisposed to turning away, like that old hymn, you know, tune my heart that is so prone to wonder, Lord. Tune it to you. Bind it to you with fetters, with chains. Bind me to you, Lord, because I know what naturally I tend to do. 
I hope you're honest with yourselves and with your heart and you know that naturally your heart tends to turn away from him. And yet there's a promise that God has given us to say that he's going he's gonna to save us from all our wanderings and our adulteries. Guys, what, what, what is the idol? What is the idol that gets you? Usually there's, the devil will try the same tactics. Your heart will go after the same things. Please, we've got to deal with our idols. We need the power of the Spirit, which we'll read about now. But we've also got to deal death blows to our idols and kill them dead. <laughs> I, I, I once heard idols stands for items. I, it could be stuff in your life. It could be the next best thing. The next, you know, awesome, I don't know, car or bike or exercise equipment probably in Cape Town or mountain bike or shoes or clothing or fashion or whatever it is. You know, all this fake stuff that we think makes us awesome and cool. Um, That's what you realize when you walk around Cape Town is I'm just like, wow, everyone is desperately trying to build a life, but it's so fake. Shame. I hope, I hope you, you realize that when you walk around Cape Town and you don't think, wow, that's awesome, I want it. No, no, it's, it's so fake. It's so temporary. That body, temporary. Temporary. What a waste of time. Seriously. Are you wasting your time? Cool, keep it healthy so that you live long. But oh, don't waste your time, please. It's so temporary. Items, D, duties. Stuff that you do in life, your career, the pursuits, the next promotion that gives you a sense of self-worth. Oh, no, it's an idol. Duties, uh, I owe others, others, other people can be idols in your life. Others, what do they think of me? What did they say about me? Did they promote me? Did they give me the affirmation I deserve? That little, that girl, oh, does she like me? That guy, does, does he think I'm awesome? Does he, you know, others and what they think about us? Oh, man, it's an idol. L, what's L? Longings. The longings of your heart. Oh, I so desire this. When I get this, I'll be fulfilled. It's an idol. That's an idol. It's busy directing your life. It's busy speaking into your satisfaction and happiness. It's busy, it's busy giving you what only Jesus should give you. Though He's the only longing, the longing of the nations, the one that, that our hearts deeply cry out for in the only place of satisfaction. If that, that longing, come on, don't think, oh, I need another preach and I need another church maybe or another home group. If you've got idols in your life, you're stuck. You're not going to move forward. He's not going to share his glory with an idol in your life and say, oh, it's fine. Don't worry. Right there, you've hit the ceiling. Bah, you're not moving forward. It's an idol. You don't need another prayer session or deliverance session. You need to repent. Kill that thing. If that's a longing of your heart, that travel, that place, that destination. Guys, for all eternity in heaven, we are going to be traveling to the most insane destinations. Who cares about the Maldives or Hawaii or I don't know what's the next place is, Zanzibar. Who cares, man? If God blesses you with a trip, great. Go there and be ready to be used for Jesus for the gospel because you're here very short. S, suffering. Your suffering can be an idol. It can be the place of your identity. Oh, you don't know what I've gone through. Paul writes, he says, forgetting what is behind. 
forgetting, I press on. All those things that define me, I count them as loss. I'm, tu- I'm turning away from them. It's past. It's done. I'm pressing on towards that which lies ahead. That for which Christ Jesus called me heavenward. I haven't yet taken hold of it, but oh my goodness, I'm pressing on for that. I'm forgetting what is behind. All those sufferings, all those things. Man, we, we look back long enough for two things. Long enough to repent if it was your sin and long enough to forgive if it was someone that sinned against you. Look back long enough to do those two things and then look ahead again. Look ahead towards the inheritance and the destiny, the forever eternity in heaven with Jesus. Like, guys, people that walk around as great victims because of all the suffering in their life, please, I, 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 and this is where it's dangerous because it's like everyone's going to say, well, you don't understand my situation. Well, you don't understand my situation. Anyone can say that. Of course there's suffering. Of course. We were promised that over and over and over. But oh my goodness, if it defines you, your suffering just became an idol that's directing your life. These are. So I forget what's behind. I press on. I am never a victim. I'm looking forward to eternity with Jesus, who is the king of the universe, and he is totally for me, loving me, totally. Come on, you've got to know that. If you're a son, a daughter of the Most High God, you've got to know that. You, you cannot be a victim. You cannot. It's the craziest thought. Okay. So are you faithful with your heart? Are you killing the idols? Are you dealing with them? And here's the good news, guys. The good news is that we don't have to just do this alone. But Ezekiel 36 says this. It says God's going to give us a new covenant, and he's going to, be, he's going to make this reality happen in our lives For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you back from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Just notice the I will. I love that. It's just all about what Jesus does for us. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your idols and impurities and uh, and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. If you're battling with an unfaithful heart, please start here. Please start by pushing into the faithfulness of the power of the Spirit in your life that is going to move you to love Him and obey Him and set you free. It's not something you're going to do in your own strength. You might have to repent and slay some idols, definitely, but you're going to do it by the power of the Spirit. That's the hope we have. The hope we have is that Jesus Christ lived a perfectly faithful life to His God and Father for 33 years, and actually all eternity passed, but let's just focus on the 33 years. For 33 years, he perfectly obeyed the law of God. And by the way, I'm not just talking about regulations in the Old Testament. No, he perfectly obeyed the fact that God says, you must love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength every second of every day. Jesus did that. Not one of us have ever gotten close to doing that. But the good news is, is that if I'm in Christ, I am in the one who is faithful. And no matter how unfaithful I am, some of you, you look at yourself and you go, I'm an unfaithful person. I've been unfaithful in my mind. I've been unfaithful in my eyes. I've been unfaithful towards my wife. I've been unfaithful towards kids. I've been, I've been unfaithful. I know that, that if it's me, I am unfaithful. The good news is it's not about you. You're dead. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And he is faithful. He's totally faithful. Totally loves God. 
100% all the time. And the more I just hide in him, press into him, come to him, just be in him, and you'll be faithful. Hey? Oh, man. So, okay. Okay. Don't count how many minutes I took to do that and start working out stuff. Okay. Don't do that. We need to be faithful in our hearts, guys. And we can be. But faithful in our actions as well. Are you faithful with what God's entrusted to you? And I could talk about many things here, but the, the thing I'll focus on is are you faithful if God has put someone in your life to love? Some disciple, some new Christian, some, some brother or sister, some home group that you're in and there's some people there that you know you can encourage. And maybe they're, you know, you, you're intimidated by that thought. Maybe they've been a Christian longer than you. But if you've been added to a body, it means that God has entrusted you to that body and he's entrusted that body to you. The day I became an elder and was prayed in as an elder was one of the scariest days of my life. Because it, it was more scary than my wedding day, which happened like a year later, I think. That was like, I've got to be faithful with one person. This was God entrusting the souls of men and women to me. But here's the thing, guys. If you, you might say, well, I'm not called to be an elder shepherd. I don't, I don't have that. No, but you have been called to be part of a body and to love God's people that he paid for with blood. And if God paid for people with his blood, of his son, he says, please, Please be faithful with my people. Please love them. Please love them. I've used this illustration probably many times in the City Bowl. But my son Samuel's 13 years old. I'll just use my son. If someone had to walk in to this building right now and they said, I'm going to kill all these people. Gunmen, walk in here. I'm going to kill all these people. Unless you give me your son, I'll kill him. And then I'll let these people go. Do you know what would happen to me as a father? I would say you can have my son. I know I would. And I know my son would say it's better that way. Because he knows and he loves. He knows the Lord. But you know what would happen to my heart as a father for the rest of my life if that had to happen? And if my son died in your place? It means that as a, fa- as a father and as a leader here, or as just a brother here, I would do everything in my power to live the rest of my life for you guys. I, I would be desperate for you all to count, for you all to kind of live a life worthy of the sacrifice that just happened. I would do everything. I would commit myself because of the memory, the love I have for my son. I would give anything and everything for you. And God, who did not spare his only son, How much more will he not give you all things? That's the father's heart. He's like, listen, I didn't spare my only son for them. I will now give you anything, everything. It's all available to you. It's all yours. Everything you need to live faithful to the Lord. But guys, let's catch his heart and say, come on, I want to spend the rest of my life loving those that he died for, those that he gave his son for. I want to be faithful in that. This is your fallback position, guys. To be fast is your fallback position. If you don't know how is God going to use me, what's my calling in life? I'm not that happy in my home group right now. Oh my goodness, City Bowl, I've been here for so long. What's next? You know what I mean? Like, if your fallback position is, well, am I being faithful? Is my heart faithful to the Lord? And is my heart faithful to loving His people that He died for? It's a fallback position. And you start doing that, and oh, you'll find God will lead you. Don't worry. He will. 
He's faithful. Are you available? When I say, are you available, I don't just mean, do you have the time? I'll maybe talk about that in a moment. I firstly mean, are you willing? He's looking for availability before he's looking for ability. Really? He's looking for availability. Are you willing? Are you, are you saying yes to Jesus? When Jesus walks onto the scene as king in the book of Matthew, which shows that he is king, and when he starts setting up his kingdom, he starts calling his disciples. And he walks up to people like a total boss, and he says, Dave, follow me, and walks. And in that moment, Dave's got a, an opportunity or a, a, a decision to make to say, okay, I'm following the king. That's it. <laughs> Leave behind nets, leave behind tax collector booths, leave behind whatever it is and follow him. I'm saying yes to my king. Are you still saying yes to your king? Are you still available? When he says, I need someone, are you still going, pick me, pick me. I want to be there. I'm first in line. I want to lead them. I want to love them. I want to lead that ministry. I want to do that thing. I want to love the church. I want to, I want to go on that outreach. I, I want to go and plant that church. Cool. Yeah, I'm available, Lord. I'm saying yes to you. Are you still saying yes to the Lord like you, like you once promised you would? Are you still, over the years, so many times God's challenged me and he brings me to a place. And he says, are you still willing to say anything, anytime, anywhere? Are you still willing to say that? Even Joburg. Guys, what's, what stopped your yes? Has disappointment stopped your yes? Well, I've said yes before, and it didn't work out so good. Well, disappointment then has just become your idol, like we said earlier. It's just stopping you from saying yes to your true Lord. Is inferiority, like Moses, oh, I'm stuttering, I don't know. Who gave you a mouth and ability to speak? Come on, Moses. I pick you, I choose you, say yes to me. You better. <laughs> Inferior, do someone else is better, maybe they can, maybe. No man, come on. Now you've become your own God. Let him use you. What's stolen your yes? Give yourself. Over the course of the Bible, it's just always, it's people that are available, not people that are very great. Hey? Not a prince of Egypt. No, no, it's a stuttering shepherd lost in the desert, running away from God and his nation. That's the one God chooses to go set his people free. It's not some great king. No, it's a forgotten shepherd, the runt of the pack that's not even called to the ordination ceremony. It's that guy that God says, I want you to be my king. And yes, he was faithful and he had some good traits, but I'm telling you, he didn't think he was amazing. Who saved the people from the king Caesarea? This is one of my favorites, guys. It's just to wake you up if you're getting tired. Hey, it was a lady in a tent with a tent peg that was chosen to be used by God and to set the people of God free in judges. Do you remember that story? When the king, king Caesarea comes in and he's like, oh, give me a place to hide, please. And she takes her tent peg and puts it on his temple and knocks the hammer through and pins him to the ground. It's like quite a gross story, but it's, um, it's a good one to get teenagers interested in the Bible. Now, <laughs> I 
And God says, no, this, I'm going to use, I just want to use who is available. Are you still saying yes to the Lord? And do you have time? Or are you saying, yeah, yeah, Lord, you know I want to, but I don't know if I've got capacity and time. Have you seen how busy my life is? I got to go run on the promenade like every morning. And then I got to go to gym. Then I got to meet my friends for this. Then I've got to, I mean, and I've got to work in between that somewhere, like somehow. Even though this is Cape Town, I've still got to work sometime. You know, I don't know if I got the time, Lord. Guys, oh, Matthew 13, 22 says, The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Over the years, you know, I mean, I probably preached and quoted this many, many times. Because this is what you see in the world around us. All those other soils and seeds, they're important. But in the parable of the sower, this one I think is so applicable for this place and this generation. The deceitfulness of wealth. The worries of this life. All these anxieties choking it up. Guys, is anxiety your God? And I know there's disorders and there's medication needed because cortisol levels are weird and you've burnt out and thyroids don't always work. So I know there's a medical side to this. But you cannot let anxiety rule your life. Jesus says you, you do not worry. It's a command. You cannot just accept, oh, well, I'm just very anxious and I just live in this anxious place and I'm just always anxious about my future and my money and my... No, no, that's, that's wrong. It's an idol. Repent. <laughs> repent and, and then take your meds. Great. But make sure you repent. I've seen, I I look across this room, I see people that have been powerfully set free of anxiety. I hope you're walking in it still. Don't give in to this. It'll make you unfruitful, man. And he wants fruit. He wants fruit. Lasting fruit. And I could read many other scriptures, but I'll, I'll read this one. Haggai. Haggai 1, verse 2 to 11. This is probably one of my favorite preachers. I'm sure you've heard it. But Haggai 1, verse 2 to 11, you see, it's a bunch of people that say, we don't have the time, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the money right now. Right now is not a good time to build the temple of the Lord. Right now, you don't understand, my life is full, man. i got studies, and i got marriage coming up, and i got like a new baby on the way, and like right now, Lord, just let me deal with that, and then I'll serve your house. Then I'll build your kingdom. Then I'll plow into your church, which is now the temple of God on this earth. One day I'll do it. And the book of Haggai is a whole little prophecy book that is written to say, listen, now's the time. Don't wait. Right now, even though there's nations around you threatening you, even though you're in serious droughts and famine, even though life is so hard right now, build the temple. The people of God come back to the promised land to build the temple. And within a few months, they get distracted and they start building their own houses. And so the prophet writes this. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, this is what the people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. In other words, reconsider, just think about what you're doing. You have planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your full. You put on clothes, but they're not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse 
with holes in it. And what he's saying is, you've worked hard to look after yourself and your own life. And yet you're stuck in a never-ending cycle of it's never enough. It's never really good enough. You never, you, you, you still lack. You, I'm still in lack. Oh man, just a little bit more, just a little bit longer, just a little bit more money, just a little bit more security, just a little bit more joy, just a little, just, just a little bit more of those longings that I long for. And he's saying, no matter how much you give yourself to you and your paneled houses, you're still like going around the same mountain. So he says, give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. That's what he cares about more than anything, even us. His glory, his honor. Says the Lord, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of this, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, whatever the ground produces, on men, women, men and cattle and and labor of your hands. Last verse. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So he says, I'm the one behind it. You see, you've, you've never, you're always in this lack and you never have enough. Do you know who did that? It was me. And you'll always be stuck there until you get your priorities straight and you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. That's basically the, I mean, you summarize this, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom. It's just a beautiful story to illustrate it. Guys, if you're stuck in a place where you're like, oh, I don't know, it's never producing enough. I'm never getting enough. I'm going around and around the mountain. Don't just keep doing what you're doing. Stop and say, how do I make the priority of my life to build the household of God? And as I do that again, all the rest, I will provide all your needs. I'll look after you, but seek first my kingdom. Is that cool? Yeah. And then submitted. I'll do the last two very quickly. Submitted. I think the original was steadfast, but so steadfast is another good S. Fast, if you want to talk about that, I don't know. That's, that's a good one. That's really needed. It's by faith and patience we inherit. We've got to be steadfast. But anyway, I'll go with submitted. So submitted. Guys, you know that authority in the kingdom, the one God trusts with authority, the one God uses is the one that's submitted. The one that, that he, he knows, I can trust you because I know you follow well. And so you can lead well. This is very, this is super basic, guys. If you want to be used by Jesus, if you want to be positioned to be used by Jesus, you have to be a really, really submitted good follower. Because authority in the kingdom is like, it all flows from the throne. You can read about this all over, actually. Authority flows from the throne. And so it's like a river that flows from God. And all authority in, in this world is delegated authority. It's all God's authority that he apportions and gives as it flows from the throne of God. And if I want to have authority, if I want to be used by God in any kind of authority, I need to make sure I'm in that river, that flow of God. That I'm under authority and therefore I can now have it. I can't just go set up my own little reservoir somewhere and hope that now I can have authority and have a ministry and have a place to exercise my rule and reign. There are many ministers of God that are doing that nowadays, but they're not in the flow of the authority and God can't get behind it and bless it because it's just you doing your own little thing, trying to create a following. 
trying to find some water and splash it on other people. Rather than being in the flow of God, the authority of God. That's, that's the, the picture of authority where it says, Obey your leaders and do what they say. Hebrews 13, 17. Their work is to watch over your souls and they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy, not sorrow. So obey them and do what they say. If you want to be used by Jesus, here's a really, really big tip, but it's really hard for us. Obey your leaders. Do what they say. Make their job a joy. Pull into them. Listen. You might not even agree. That doesn't talk about agreement. It just says obey. Just follow. They're not telling you to sin. Just obey. I've tried to live like this, guys. Many of you have. And look how God uses you. Look what happens. But the rebellious, those that set up their own little kingdoms somewhere, those that try to dig and create their own little reservoirs, that are not following in the river of God's authority. Ah, he can't get behind that and bless that. Okay. Uh, Well, let me just, yeah. So are you submitted in this place to leaders? Maybe you're not in this church, but find a place where you can submit and you can follow and be a good follower of Jesus. And then lastly, are you teachable? And this is very similar to being submitted because to be teachable, it flows out of having a submitted heart. Like your heart attitude is, is submitted. Like, how are you with this? To you, South African men like me, South African man, how are you at being submitted? The other day, God revealed my heart to me in a horrible way. I was in a shop and uh, my mask was hanging below my nose because I'm struggling to breathe and I've got all my excuses why I think that's fine. And it was in the quite early stages of COVID and people were very, very scared in those days, obviously. And this little kid comes up to me and says, Sir, please, can you put your mask over your nose? And in that moment, everything in you wants to just like, like, how dare you talk to me about that? I'm taking it off. (laughs) You know what I mean? Everything in you just wants to rebel and cough on the little child. You're laughing because you're just like that. Or maybe some of you have been the little child. I don't know. But you know what? He was right. I was wrong. And as I walked, to, and I didn't even, I, I mean, I withheld myself. So what I did, I did the good thing, which was I just ignored him and walked away and just carried on doing my thing. No, that's not a good thing at all. And God showed me my heart. And he said, what are you doing, man? He's right. You're wrong. It doesn't matter who talks to you. Are you submitted in your heart? Are you teachable? Are you willing to be corrected? Are you willing to humble yourself? That little kid probably just lost their grandmother, maybe died. And they're fearful and scared. And now here you are brazenly walking around the shop. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Yes, my heart. South African men, how are you? When the waiter or waitress tells you to sit somewhere else, when the petrol attendant says, no, please do this. When the traffic cop or the policeman or whatever says, no, actually, you can't park there. I want you to do that. How are you? So there's a lot of us that have horrible hearts. We're not submitted. We're deep down. We're very rebellious. God can't use that. He wants to use a submitted, teachable, humble person. And lastly, are you teachable? Uh, you've heard me say this many times, but I'll say it again because many of you aren't married yet. 
If you're, if, you know, if my daughter, Mika and Anna Grace, they're growing up, they're beautiful little girls that love Jesus, and I'm becoming extremely protective over them. And I'm starting to see that one day I can't, you know, with my sons, it's different. It's kind of like, oh, you want to leave home? Oh, yeah, cool. Oh, you're only 15. That's fine. You'll be okay. Go. With my daughters, it's like, you will not leave this house until you're 25 and Mr. Perfect comes in who looks like Jesus and says they'll marry you. Like, that's it. Like, you're my daughters. You're my girls, you know. Um, Anyway, that's how you feel, but yeah. Um, But how do you know? How How do you know who to pick? If you're getting married, who are you looking for? Are you looking for the flutters and the chemistry and the awesome, we got this in common and we're just going to do life together and we're going to do, oh, it's going to be beautiful. Like Andrew and MC, you know, Andrew's like, I love surfing. MC's like, I love photographing surfers from the beach. Andrew's like, you are made for me. You're going to take photos of me for the rest of my life. It's just going to be beautiful and never happened once. Never happened. She never did that. That was just an in-the-moment thing that's said in the craziness of love and hormones. (laughs) That's not how you pick your, 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 your spouse for the rest of this life. Okay, that's not how. It's by the way. Uh, how do you pick? Well, number one, there's only two things in my book. Number one is, do they know Jesus? Are they, are they born again? Do they love Jesus? You can't, you cannot partner with someone who is not a child of God, because if they're not a child of God, they are a child of Satan, whether you like it or not. And that's going to be a problem. Okay. You cannot. So the Bible makes it very clear. It must be a believer, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. But then secondly, the only other criteria I would say is this. Look at their lives and ask, are they teachable? Are they corrected by their elders and pastors and leaders in their life? Are they corrected even by their parents? How do they treat authority in their life? You see, anyone can turn and go astray. Anyone. No matter how much they profess they love Jesus, they profess that they're Christians. Those of you who are, many of us have got friends who got married when we did, and it looked like it was going to be beautiful, and now they're divorced, and they're this and that. I mean, many of you know that story. And you thought it was going to be awesome because you thought they were good Christians. No, no, there are no guarantees. No matter what someone says about how awesomely they love Jesus, there are no guarantees. The closest thing you can get to a guarantee if you want to pick a good husband and wife, is how teachable are they? How submitted are they? Because that means they're definitely not perfect, even if you think they're perfect, but it means that in their lives, even when things go skew and wrong, it means that they're going to listen, and they're going to obey, and they're going to be corrected. Guys, please, don't look at all the temporary things. Look at their hearts and see whether they're willing to be corrected and whether their hearts are submissive. It's the only kind of closest thing you can get to a guarantee. This is all over the Bible. Proverbs, it's all over Proverbs. Are you willing to be counseled and corrected and listen to wisdom and changed? And guys, God will use that person because none of us have got it right. None of us are the complete package. None of us are close to being like Jesus yet, but we can be. Once again, Will Murray, I watched, I remember, I remember the day Guys, I remember the day when he was going to preach in City Bowl, and you guys wouldn't have known it, but in our eldership team, we knew what was going on, and he walked in, and he basically was saying, that's it. No one will tell me what to do. No one will speak into my marriage, and I, I, he was, at that stage, he was still a bit of a lone ranger, as beautiful and as awesome as his ministry was, and he walked in, and I remember him walking up to me, and I was like, something's wrong. Pam's not with him. 
He looks angry, and he's about to preach in this congregation. And that week, it all unfolded. Stuff in his life that needed to be corrected and changed. And as an older man with a powerful ministry, planting many churches, he humbled himself. He submitted himself. He said, fine, I'll do whatever it takes to get my marriage right, to get my ministry right, to become a teachable person, to listen to what you guys are saying. And, 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 and he was able to do that even then. Guys, are you doing, are you, how teachable are you? This is, here's my challenge to you. Find someone that's a leader in your life and have the guts to ask them, how easy is it for you to speak into my life? I've, I've been a leader for a long time, leading a lot of people. And there are some people that I just don't want to go there. I, I, I'll do everything I can to avoid speaking into their life because I just know what's going to happen. And, and because I, I need to obey God and not fear man, eventually I will maybe go and speak into their life. But everything in me is like, how can I get out of this? How can I send Dave to do it rather? And Kina. That's the story of Dave and Kina's life. It happened a lot. <laughs> because maybe they'll just drive the demons out. It'll just save a lot of time. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Dave's like, yeah, this is, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to speak to them. Like, are you that guy that no one wants to speak to you because of your reactions, your emotions, your tantrums, your justifications? Are you that person? If no one's really speaking to your life, then you're that person. And that's why they're not talking to you. (laughs) Go ask someone. Is there even someone to ask? That's the first question. If you like, I can't think of anyone that's a leader in my life. Well, that's the first place to start. You need some leaders, people discipling you. Everyone needs that. Okay. Are you faithful in your heart and your actions? Are you available saying yes to the Lord? And yes, Lord, I do have capacity no matter what's going on in my life. Are you submitted in your spirit, in your heart, and in your actions? Are you teachable? That's a man. That's a woman that God says, okay, I can use you. That's the fallback position that we need to have. God, I don't know what's going on in my life right now. I don't know what's next, but I'm just going to make sure that I'm fast. I want to make sure of that. And then anything can happen. Can we pray?